0: Thank you to Union Pacific for their generous support as a sponsor of the NHI Podcast Network. This is NHI Notables with Ernesto Nieto, recorded at the National Hispanic Institute in Maxwell, Texas.
1: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another podcast of the National Hispanic Institute. This is Ernesto Nieto, president and founder of the organization, and joining us is Julio Cotto, our senior vice president. We have a special treat for you now. We have, first of all, Leonard Davila Thank and the street you. people who been around Pacific for a long for time out of the, of the Austin area, but it travels all over the, the United NHI States with a special kind of sound. And we have the legendary El Gato Negro, Ruben Ramos here with us. And we thought we'd take some time because as time goes by and as we work towards the unfolding of the new century, we want to talk about Tejano music, its cultural roots, its history, and what is its future place in the lives of our young. First of all, let me at least thank Leonard and Rouven for being present with us. And Julio, chime in whenever you're ready. Absolutely. Whenever question you want to ask. Let me start out with Leonard because you're an Austin guy. You grew up there. Uh, tell us, what got you in originally into the music business?
2: Well, my grandfather was a musician. and uh, he How far a, back was this? Oh, gosh, uh, 40s and 50s. Okay. He... Uh, he, uh, we're originally from Pearsall, Texas, which is south of San Antonio, and uh, I grew up um, listening to to what they were playing. I, a lot of the conjunto groups, uh, conjunto Bernal and a lot of these groups, and then orchestras like uh, Ruben's brother, Alfonso, and uh, I. You know, it would kind of it got in my soul. It got in my, and I wanted to wanted to do it. And uh, then, gosh, I I started playing back in
1: 1963.
2: And how old were you by then? Oh, gosh, I think I was about five. (laughs) No. You want to lie already? Yeah, no, I think I was about 15, maybe 15. And you
1: started with a local band?
2: Yeah, yeah. We had a group, uh, play with a group called Fats and the Dominoes. Dominoes.
1: Fats and the Dominoes. Yeah. And and they were an Austin-based group? Yeah. uh And y'all played doo-wop, didn't you?
2: Uh, Yeah, we played that, but we played, you know, we were playing Chicano music, you know, that's uh, the Polkas and Rancheras and the Boleros and Cumbias and uh, doing uh, James Brown stuff and, you know, all the R&Bs.
1: I was listening to your CD the other day, and just because I'm, I'm, I'm a curious listener. I got this feeling that you're more comfortable with blues sometimes, and kind of that, that kind of music, uh, that that's more like torch music more than blues music or more than rock and roll. Can you comment on that? I mean, well, you kind of sounded to me like a Latino country and western guy in a way.
2: Well, you know, I mean, I grew up listening to everything, and you know, uh, I I. I Really enjoyed the mix, and of course, I didn't learn to speak Spanish till, because as a young man, we lived in, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and uh, I really thought I was Italian. Yeah, that, that's in North Austin. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I mean, I could speak more Italian than uh, than Spanish. I didn't know Spanish until we moved back to Texas in about 1957. And and, uh, and
1: what took you guys over there? Just work?
2: Uh, my dad. My dad was a chemist, and he was uh, worked for a Picture Plate gas, Glass Company. And he, he, his, his profession was, he was a, a mortician, he, he, a funeral, funeral director.
1: Yeah, well, your uncle was in that
2: business as well. Right? Uh, yeah. Mean, yeah, your dad. My, my dad, yeah. And Dio, of one. course, he, he helped. <laughs> yeah. He helped around. But uh, I, uh, you know, the music that I liked, I mean, it, it was, uh, I was telling my kids the other day, because, you know, they were asking me, and I said, well, you know, when I was home, I listened to the, the Mexican radio station. But when I left the house, we had little transistor radios with the antennas, remember? And we were listening to to the rock stations and the. Uh, I'm, c- I'm I'm c- much younger than you, Leonard. So I, I know. Just, I, I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, I know. Of course. Well, you were before the antennas, <laughs> no, no. or before transistor <laughs> <Exactly>. radios. <laughs>
1: before radios. Yeah.
2: So, uh, but no, it's uh, you know, and, and and traveling and being around a lot of places. I mean, of course, I I picked up, and yes, I I do like. Uh, uh, R&B, and I like country, and I, I mean, it's uh, uh, it, it, its all music that I grew up with, and I, right. I really, um, you know, you, you told me the other day that I sounded more like a bluesy. Yes, I did. And, uh, right. But I mean, I, I love that too, and may, maybe it shows in our, our, our Tejano uh, genre of music. The
1: whaling the is there, somewhere along the line, the whaling is
2: Somewhere, there. somewhere.
1: <laughs> well, let me turn over to Raven. What a legend. Uh, I've heard about you for years. I've had the pleasure. I know you're a golfer. and
3: uh, I'm a hacker.
2: You're a hacker. <laughs> <laughs> and people used to tell
1: me, don't get involved with Reven Betting because he'll beat you. But I used to see you out of Jimmy Clay with all those crazy guys. That I would spend all day work, playing. And thank you very much for being on this podcast.
3: Glad to be but, here.
1: Reven, tell us, you go back many years, and as we were talking earlier, Next year will be what year for you and this business of Tejano music?
3: As far as the business, Tejano music will be 53 years. But as far as my group, the Mexican Revolution, it will be 49 years. Okay. An anniversary, you know. And my music, uh, I was also from the rancho. I'm from the rancho. I'm from out in the middle of nowhere. Say like this house here, Maxwell wouldn't be here. Just this house. The next neighbor is a mile away, then or half a mile away, and all around was cotton fields. And we'd be my my heavy was from San Luis Potosi, so he only knew how to work with the sand. So he he was a plantaba algodon. He was a El sembrador, a medias con, with the owner of the field, you know.
1: So you would share the profit.
3: And share, share, and share the you, profit. You were a world. sharecropper. Then. Yeah, sharecroppers, yeah. Uh, and we would pick pick cotton, like even us, whole, like five families traveling all the way from Sugar Land to Central Texas and all the way to Amarillo, Lubbock. But we were picking cotton, say a 20-acre patch of cotton, you know, the Troquero would be parked right in the middle of the whole patch with the doors open and the, and the radio blaring, you know, so we could have some music. Pero puro mexicano, puro acordeon, you know. Uh, and my dad was a musician. My dad was a oh. fiddle player and my mom was a guitar player, there was a neighbor who plays accordion. So in those days, the houses were like, not big castles like this house, but the, the rooms were big, not like the houses that you buy now, you know, little cuartitos, whatever. So they would take the tias El Sillon, take them out of the way, and put three chairs in the corner, there was the band, my dad, my mama, and Basilio, and people dancing. All around inside, inside that room, you know, either there or in the in the, the atrás en la yarda, the back right. in the backyard, raising dust and whatever. But that's I got introduced to music like that, pero puro mexicano. And I spoke puro mexicano till I moved to Austin when I was nine <laughs> years old. And over here, over there. We went to school, los mexicanos aquí, los negros aquí, los blancos aquí. Over here and I came to Austin and I said, we're all together here, all right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's where I got a different taste of a different culture than what I was experiencing over there in Chiragulán, in the cotton fields. Over here there's the gritos, mexicanos, bolillos, todos juntos. And, and that's where I started changing my my musical, or the music that I was more interested in at the time, which was, you know, rock and roll.
1: Rock and roll, it was there, right in our face. Rock
3: and roll, and I started rock and roll. I started with, I started, well, uh, I didn't start. My brother my 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 uncles in Austin, they had a 13-piece orchestra. But they were playing, they were... Tell, in, tell me a year so we can tag it. 1920s. the 20s oh, wow. From the 20s, 30s, 40s, and uh, middle 50s, you know. Uh, Juan Manuel Perez and the uh, Serenaders. But there was no singers then, in the 20s, the 30s, 40s. There were no French singers like Ruben Ramos and the Mexican Revolution, Leonard David and Street People. No, it was just Glenn Miller... Uh, Count Basie, Tommy Dorsey, you know whatever orchestras, orchestras, jitterbugs, Charleston. So when we were still in Sugar Land, and my my uncles they got a very real high-paying gig. I call it gig performance, you know. Uh, only only thing they wanted I want to sing I want a singer. I want a singer to with a band. They didn't have a singer, so they went to Sugarland, and literally took my sister, fourteen years old, out of the cotton patch to go to Austin, come to Austin, and sing with them. But it was still going to be like a one, one, one performance thing for okay for her, as far as we knew. But she liked it. She didn't go back. To, she didn't. She didn't go back to to to. to Sugarland.
1: Sugarland. For a Jeez. lot of people, like said, but a lot of people don't Sugarland is east of Houston. Yes. And it was a big cotton patch out there. Not Bunch. too different from Pasadena and those communities, but it was in the eastern part of Harris County and a lot of the Mexicanos in the nineteen, in the early 1900s. Right. That's where they made a living. My own parents were there. My abuelita right. would go there and pick cotton for a living.
3: Go ahead. And we live in a house over there where... You know, there was no restaurant inside. There was no water inside. There was no radio. You know, so our right. lográbamos el radio del, del troquero que traba, open the doors. There was a music, team. My dad bought a car. My mom and my dad would go to the car every night after supper and listen to the radio all the time. But, uh, I got introduced more more so to the music after my s- sister I got married with a drummer from my uncles, so that was the end of that career. So that's when my brother Alfonso came in, and my other brother, Eligio, came in and started playing with my uncles, and then my uncles, by the 50s, you, time, you know, they were in the 60s or whatever. Now,
1: you know. you, how did you learn the music? Because you weren't going to music lessons.
3: No. <laughs> I mean, how do how do you learn music? Well, how did I learn how to play drums? You know, the way the way I learned to play drums, I was I was a kid that was here in Austin. I was I'm sorry about that. Uh, I was I was uh, introduced to a different culture. I was introduced to to uh, to put it bluntly to the drug scene. Okay. Not that I was doing the drugs, but I was getting I was getting involved with all this. Characters, I was going the wrong way over here, and meantime my brother was playing my Uncle, so he sh- they split and started Ramos y Guerrero with, oh. a, with a with a guitar player uh, Luis Guerrero, and uh, that's when my brother noticed where that I was going, you know, I was going the wrong way, so he said, come and play maracas, come and play maracas here," so that's how I got on stage and I. I liked it better than where I was over here. Hmm. So music saved my life, I think. Because I would have been dead now if I would have gone that way. Or I'd be in prison. So my mother saved my life as far as getting me over here interested in music. And the way I started playing drums is just by listening. I would take uh, the drummer's place when he wanted to go dance a song with a beautiful girl or Go get a beer. He would say, "Man, can you play this? It's a waltz. That, 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 that." i "Yeah, I can play that." So that's where it started. By the time you know it, I'm playing a polka. By the time you know it, I'm playing a cumbia. Finally, he gets dressed as a drummer, and I'm the drummer. <laughs> and I don't know music. I still don't know. <laughs> I still don't know write or uh, you know read music. Okay. I just learned. So wh-
1: wh- where does this jump? Now you make a jump from, were you singing and drumming or the yes.
3: singing? No, I was singing and drumming. You
1: were singing and drumming because that's pretty tough.
3: Well, that's what I told my brother because I wanted my my band, my band, my my schoolmates to come here to play. We were doing a lot of sock hops. Mm-hmm. You know, sock hops for the kids. So you weren't
1: doing rancheras. You weren't doing Tejano. You were doing rock and roll.
3: Well, no, no. My brother was doing the rancheras my, my, and, you know, boleros, polgas and I say, hey man, why don't you sing some English? Learn a couple oh, of so English they, so, they so, so my brothers can come and hear hear me. I thought I was bad drummer. Uh, so they could come hear the band. But my brother said, if you want English, you sing it. Man, it's tough for me to how am i gonna sing and play drums. So by that time a little later came out with a Fest domino came out with Blueberry Hill. I found my trio on oh, Blueberry Hill. Yeah. I said I think I can play that and sing that song. I practiced for about two weeks, <laughs> playing drums and singing, and that's my first song, and that's where I took off. From there, I started singing Ray Charles, Little Richard, you know, even Everest Presley, and later on in the years went to, you know, Chicago Transit Authority. And then from there, after eleven years, my brother, my little brother, had broken away from my brother. So they didn't have a singer. So it came to me, man. I said, "We need a singer." I said, "You know anybody?" <laughs> <laughs> because I didn't know no no entendía el español. I didn't know anything. That's what they were. They were they were uh, polka and rancheras and cumbias, and I didn't never sing. A announce of Mexican music when I started my band. So I murdered a lot of songs.
2: <laughs> I murdered
3: a lot of songs, you know. And I'll tell you one song, for instance, la, la, la del Moño Colorado. What is that, Julio? That's a moño you don't know either, right? Nope. You're one of the modern kids. <laughs> la del moño is a bow, beautiful bow in her hair. La del moño Colorado is la que quiero yo, you know. And I was singing La Demonio. <laughs> la Demonio, you know what that is, right? La Demonio Colorado. Me trae todo el día mareo. I've been saying that for I don't know how many years. My father said, No, mijo, no es demonio, no, la del moño. I didn't know neither one, what either one meant. <laughs> but but I'm learning song because no I didn't know the Spanish language, you know. I'm trying to teach my trying to teach my son to, to do a song with me. Uh, como los Varandales los del Puente. He likes that song. But you know, he, he's terrified of me getting on stage because I don't know what he's saying. I didn't know what I was saying <laughs> when I started the Mexican <laughs> Revolution.
1: You were just mimicking the words. I that was run. the Mexican yeah. Revolution. <laughs> That's right. But, but
3: I went, we went, hey, I like, hey, La Maño, let's do the song because we were popular. So we picked music that was popular and play it, you know. But I didn't know that he was saying Mono. That's it. La de Mono. It runs with Colorado, so it's demon. <laughs> demon is red, right? <laughs> <laughs> so so I murdered some songs, but I learned as I went along. I'm still learning. I'm still learning, yeah. I'm still learning yeah. the, the Leonard, economy. did you Le- run
1: did you run into the little situation?
2: Oh yeah. As a matter of fact, I was playing with Ruben and uh, we were doing El Rey. And I remember we say "No tengo trueno ni reina." (laughs)
1: Yeah,
2: exactly. And my wife comes up to me and she says, "Honey, it's No tengo trono ni reina." (laughs) Oh, okay. So I I told her, "Okay, so you know we catch up." But yeah, no, I I I did that a lot too.
3: (laughs) Another song was I I can't remember the first one. Cuando de las nubes me caigas llorando, yo seré la red. Sonet, right? Mm. (laughs) Yo seré la res que aguante el olor. Ya cambió todo el... Talking about food now. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Pero no sabía. I didn't know. Until somebody... My Mm. brother, Alfonso, corrected me a lot of my words. My brother. (laughs) What
0: was was it like in that time? I think, Leonard, you and I, we've talked about this before, that um, you know, Tejano music really is an American art form. It was created here in this country but we've kind of lose that history. And especially Austin in particular is so popular now as a music center and the festivals. And you drive around East Austin and I feel like you see shades of a past and a history and of a music scene that almost doesn't exist anymore. What was it like? I mean, what, what was the story? Cause I know when I first came to Austin as a college kid, um, a lot of guys from South Texas, big Tajano music fans, mm-hmm. and they would take me to East Austin, to places that are now just bars and cocktail places, mm-hmm. but where they would play this music that for me as a Guatemalan-Puerto Rican kid from Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. I'd never really heard or couldn't distinguish <laughs> the difference. But that was my education, and now I drive around Austin, and it, a lot of it's gone. But what was it like when it was in its peak? Oh, gosh. Especially when I try to think of that at the same time in Texas... I would hear from friends about their parents and grandparents that there was a lot of racism and there was a lot of uh, prejudice and mistreatment of the Mexican community. Yet it's at the same time where you have this music being grown. What was that
2: like? Well, you know, um, <clears throat> when when I was a kid, when I was in in, in high school, uh, you know, we I, I was doing uh, well, I, was, I was playing with Cowboy Donnelly, Manuel Donnelly. and uh, yeah, I asked him one day. I said, "Why, why did you guys hire me?" I, and I asked him this year, you know.
1: Were you a singer with? Yes,
2: uh, yeah. and uh, they had gotten me from Fats and the Dominoes, or you know, Fats. I went with Cowboy. You're moving up. The moving up, and you know, and he, he you know, I, I've been blessed. I I played with with popular groups, and I asked him why, and he said, "Well, because you're the one you did you did rock and roll. <laughs> I used to do the James Brown stuff, and yeah. you know, all." all so that's that's Ray Cabo, of course. You know, did his, you know, all Spanish. But um, in high school, uh, I mean, even even my some of my high school teachers went to our gigs, and uh, and they weren't they weren't Mexicanos. They you know they'd go see see what we were doing. They'd go to the city Coliseum, and uh, like Ruben's brother, you know, Pia, and we all went to school together. And a lot of the young kids who played in the high school bands were playing with the top groups of the time, you know, from, from Austin, uh, with Alfonso, with Roman Telongo. That was before I was talk You're
1: talking about Chicano, Latino.
2: Yes. Uh-huh. Groups. Okay. Gotcha. Right. You know, and I went to a school that was predominantly, uh, Mexico Americano. And, uh, you know, there was, I mean, the Anglos, you can count them in probably maybe 10 fingers, you know I mean? There wasn't very many. And, 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 uh, and African-Americans. And uh, so they would go to the clubs. I remember we used to go to Charlie's Playhouse, remember? Yeah, I remember yeah. on
1: 12th Street. Yeah. We used to go there a lot. You know,
2: and that that was a, 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 a what, what would you say? A, black nightclub. Yeah, black. it was a black <laughs> nightclub. And, you know, we'd go over there, and, and the the Rasa would go there. A lot of uh, UT students would go there. and uh, But there was a lot of the... It used to be the big ballrooms, you know, I mean, uh, there was a few clubs that, you know, uh, I remember the Latin quarter there on, uh, by the university of Texas. I mean, uh, sometimes the band wouldn't fit on the <laughs> on small, on, small yeah. I mean, it, it was a small, small club, but, um, it, nowadays I see this, I see it changing. It, it's not, it's not. Hasn't disappeared. It's just that the venues have have uh, gone down. Gentrification has a lot to do with it because uh, a lot of these that were clubs are now you know uh, bars uh, that that cater. You know Tejano isn't isn't there. It it isn't there anymore. But uh, we find ourselves playing, and and now the the clubs here in Austin, they're 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 coming more more it's coming up like the hano is getting starting to have like a resurrection uh because for a while there it was totally you couldn't you couldn't really find a place in austin and austin being as big as it is um but you know my my parents uh i mean i remember they go here you know hear me sing yeah and uh my mama told me one time when a uh, when uh, cowboy had come to ask me to, or no, Fats asked me to play. <laughs> she says, "Qué borracho te dijo que cantar." And and what happened was, is a friend of mine. I mean, here we're 15 years old, was getting married, and he had a band playing, and the singer didn't show up. And I remember the song. Uh, 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 I'll think of it here in a minute, but it, it was an English tune, and I knew it. So. He said, Come on up. And I said, Órale. So I went up and sang it. And then the next thing I know, the next day they called me up to see if I wanted to play with the band. And that's when mom told me. And here I was, 15 years old, and we were drinking beer at his wedding, you know. So, and, uh, but. You, you
1: weren't drinking beer you Oh, well. <laughs> no, you, you this weren't. This is a time in public. Tomando, excuse tomando you. consejos. Tomando consejos. <laughs> well, let, let, let me ask you guys a, a question that I've always wanted to ask you. How did it feel? living in two worlds, uh, and having to navigate the rock and roll world that appealed to the masses, and then playing music that was particular, peculiar to a particular population of people, right? And and it was Las Canciones de los Abuelitos, and the sharecropping, and the ranchos, and the migrants, and because it's certainly, this is not a music that you find in Mexico. No. How, how do you distinguish the music, and what was that reality to you like?
3: Uh, my music is is a, a music that's created here in, in in Texas. You know, a music is created uh, utilizing not only not only like, like, like an accordion, utilizing like a horn section, you know, before, before uh, like Lino said, it's, it's, evol- it's an evolving. I mean, the 20s, 10, 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s, it's a lot of big bands, big bands. And then in the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000, the accordion started coming in. And to me, this, it's a wheel. Music is a wheel that evolving. I bet in 10, 15 more years we're gonna have a different, you know, different uh, onda of music. Or, or, or the wheel is, is wheel is turning. So probably the horn section will come back and stuff. But trying to, trying to. To, I love blues. I love the rock and roll. I still do. But to feed the family, feed the musicians, you gonna have to go play and sing rancheras and polkas. Uh, to transform myself from from singing English to singing in Spanish, it was a it was a big wide gap that had the job you know but I did it I did it because that's that's kind of where I come from I come from the heritage of the rancheras the, the, uh, the ranchera musica de mi jefe de mi jefita you know el rancho grande you know jesusita in chihuahua you know all those kinds of music that we relate to all my fans relate to you know
1: is it now, hmm? is it dying is it dying
3: Well, it is not dying. It's being killed by the fact that, you know, the radio stations, say we had a radio station that played our music, you know, hundreds of radio stations. And those days in Texas, now there's probably five stations, if at all, that play our music in the whole state. So, That's the thing. Is dying is not the the people are not hearing it. The youngsters are not hearing it. They're not exposed to it. They're not exposed to it. So they're going to rap. They're going to hip hop. They're going because that's what's playing.
0: Uh, You said something really interesting, at least to me right now, that you said that to feed your family and to basically make a living out of this, you went into your community, as opposed to the music that maybe was outside of your community. Yeah, and I feel like. People don't necessarily believe that, and I don't think uh, kids like almost as if there's a common belief that if you do want to feed your family, you have to exit the community or your culture or your history, your heritage, as you put it.
3: Where do, why do you think that's such a misstep? Okay, you tell Well, I went. I went from English. I went from English. Uh, to Spanish, because if I was going to make a career or, or success in my in singing, I had to go back. I had to go back to my roots. I had to go back to my roots because there was 90, 90, 98% of the people that were gonna come and see or my music were Latinos, Mexican, Not Latinos, but Mexicanos, Mexicanos. So I had to cater to them first. First them. And then maybe throw in a English song here and there, and whatever country song. But
2: man, and uh, say something. You know, um, I remember when when I played with Ruben, we we did a tune and um, with the Dallas Symphony Orchestra, and uh, they were uh, it wasn't accepted because I, t- I took it to the Anglo station because it was in English, and uh, first thing he said, "Well, no, it's not the not the right quality." But, you know, and uh, so, and I know it was the right quality. And I kept bugging them, hey, you know, I mean, this is done this is with the Dallas Symphony Orchestra and the same studios that these guys do. And so the quality of the recording was the same. It's just that they wouldn't accept our stuff. They, you know, so the ones that were playing our, our stuff was uh, was the, the Chicano radio station, I'd yep. say. And, uh, you know, it's... Um, and then they wouldn't play our English stuff <laughs> you know we'd record English English tunes and and uh, of course they were a copy but we did them you know our way and uh, but then they wouldn't do it and then finally they started uh, as a matter of fact I think it started maybe with sunny mm-hmm. you know sunny sunny and the Sunliners. Uh, uh, the sun glows you know they would you know do stuff in English and Radio stations, you know, started playing. And so more, you know, Al Pacito, they started uh, accepting, accepting our stuff. And, uh, like, I had, I had recorded a, a tune. It was uh, an original tune, uh, Do I Ever Cross Your Mind. And at the time, it's Ray Charles.
1: By the way, it's a good song. I like it a lot.
2: Well, thank you. And, uh, you know, Ray Charles picked it up. Well, we were having our, our stuff pressed at Wakefield where pretty much everybody, all the biggies, went and had their their records pressed at the time. And um, Ray Charles came out. We recorded it before him, but they moved ours back and brought his out. And, of course...
1: Did, did you write that song?
2: No, no, I didn't. I just wrote the Spanish lyrics. Uh, okay. Michael Spunderman uh, did that, and... Uh, is a friend. Michael was a friend of of uh, the producer that I was working with at the time, and because uh, I went to a a, a studio, I mean, uh, Third Coast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, remember, there, I remember that. Yeah, Third, Third Coast, and you know, I mean, Willie, T. Birds, you know, people, everybody was recording there, and uh, so th- that's where we, you know, I, I got to meet a lot of people that were. Um, how should I say? Uh, different level. Yeah, very, at a very different level. Yeah. You know, I mean, I I was record I was recording some stuff. You know, and Stevie Ray Vaughan goes and does a few licks, and then uh, Charlie Watts was uh, the drummer for the Rolling Stones. You know, went in and he, you know, said, "Hey, you know, let's try this out." And you know, we spend hours and hours in in the studio doing doing things. And I have some some recordings that I've I've shown uh, to Ruben, or you let him hear them, and. Uh, they were all original tunes. Let's get together and let, let's try something. But still, they didn't realize who were on some of these cuts. And, you know, and then when you tell them, oh, you know, that that kind of accept- was acceptable. But our, our music are, was um, like like Ruben just said. Now there's like five, five stations. There used to be in Austin, there used to be six yep. Spanish language radio stations. And then uh, what happened was is, you know, with the uh, immigration uh, uh, influx from from Mexico, all these big conglomerates, Univision and all that, a lot of the stations were, were being bought by stations, uh, conglomerates, Univision. Uh, uh, Clear channel. Yeah, all, you know, and because the rule came that you could buy as many stations as you if you had the money. And it used to be you could only have, I believe, two stations in a in a certain market. Well, then it started being all you know. We were having that deal with it was it was all Mexico, norteño, norteño. I mean anything Mexico. And our radio stations used to play Vicente Fernandez and uh, you know, uh, I say our radio stations, the Tejano stations, they would have a, a big variety. And then when these stations came in our music was totally cut out you know they quit playing them uh they were spanish
1: so now now you we get rejected by mexico and we get rejected we, by the white community as well
2: right? as well yes as well, yeah, yeah and, and, and and really and and that that's uh you know that's that's something that i mean that's just the nature of the beast i guess because that's what started happening. You know? why, why
1: do you guys, let, let me change the subject here as we begin to wind down a little bit. We still have a lot of time, but why should we preserve it? What? What's, we've been meeting for, for the last two, three weeks, and there's talk at the National Hispanic Institute, and I want the listening audience to hear this, about the idea of a remembrance, a Southwest experience, it's called that emphasizes Tejano culture, original music that comes out of our life experiences, why is it important to preserve and why is it important to pass on
3: to our children? It's our culture. It's our livelihood, it's our culture, and we should not uh, forget it, you know? We need to, we need to be, I mean, I remember when we used to el- 15, el 16th de septiembre was a big, I mean, I used to go. Big to do. Big, big thing to do, you know. I used to go with my parents, you know, and there's lots of people. Outside. But was that a Mexican celebration? Was that Tejano?
2: No, that was that was Mexican, but it was here in Texas. You know, you, I think you mostly had uh, mostly Tejano groups. But me, uh, well, Conjuntos. I, I,
3: I'm talking My uncles right. my my mm-hmm. was, it, was it Tejano? There was a, there was no label Tejano then, yeah. but they were Tejano. They were more,
2: mm-hmm.
3: more Tejano than, Mexicano. Right. But I'm saying, that, I mean, you could sit, uh, you could see two thousand people at a fiesta. Now, 16th of September. There's no, there's nowhere to go have a fiesta. There's no puestos. There's no, no lugar uh, well there's lugar but there's all that culture you know and we need to preserve it and we need to bring it back you know that's all. that's all.
2: or or, or, or keep it you know keep it because yeah you know uh let, let me uh, give you a little experience my my grandson he's a he's a senior in college now when he was a little younger they live they live in a mostly Anglo neighborhood, you know, and, uh, he was, uh, I, I had gotten this machine where I could copy stuff off my records, my, my albums and stuff and put them on a CD. So I did that and he was, we were traveling, we went to green and he says, uh, Popo, can you change station? I said, well, I'm listening to this, uh, to, to these tunes that I, you know, want to, I want to hear how it sounded in the, in the truck. And, uh. So we listened to it, and then he says, uh, can you play that song again? And I said, yeah. So I played play the song again, and then there was another one. He says, can you he, can he do that one again? And I said, well, if you want to hear it again, just push, the, push this button here, and it'll you know play back. Well, when he, they got home, my son-in-law called me, and he said, Popo, what did you do to my boy? And I said, what do you mean? he says, well, he wants a copy of that CD that you did. And there's a, there's a tribute band, a Beatle tribute band that uh, a guy lives there in the neighborhood. Well, he's out there playing the thing for the little Anglo kids on, on uh, his uh, boom box or whatever it was. And, I mean, they're liking it too, you know. So it's... Uh, I, I keep telling, you know, people, and I says, the thing is, is if they're exposed to it, I know they're going to like it because it's the beat. You know, I mean, you can... You can have all different kinds of beats, and but the the beat is there, and it it, it uh, it's accepted, you know, pretty much by everybody, but they don't hear it, and they don't know what it what well, it how,
1: is. How do you expose a community that doesn't even know the language to a kind of culture that they don't understand?
3: Um. You know, I went to Belgium, Amsterdam, Holland, and incidentally, I opened up over there for Guns and Roses. But it was all rock, nothing but rock. I mean, hard rock, not rock and roll, but you know, rock. And uh, I said, man, what am I doing here? What are we doing here? You know. Da 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 you know and I'm gonna come up with uh Fiolanda, whatever. But they they love they love the cumbias, they love the accordion, they love the cumbia rhythm, they they're so loud on that. Really? Yeah. So you're
1: saying that that music was so new to them that
3: they just love it.
2: They they love it. There's no
3: exposure. There's no exposure, they never heard me before. But uh, I played polkas, but I pe- once I played cumbias, man, I played all the cumbias I know there <laughs> because they enjoyed it. They enjoyed mm-hmm. the accordion. Uh, how how did that happen? They just loved it. Like Glenn said, I bet you they would love our music or some of our music if they were exposed to it.
1: Well, let me ask you this other question. Why, what is it about the Mexican-American experience, the, like your songs. What what are songs that you've written? What are some of the favorite songs you've written? What are they?
3: Well, I don't know the favorites. Uh, your favorites. Mi Prietita Consentida, Te Vas a Volar. Uh, and those are songs probably that, I was telling a little, songs that are put in the, in the CD and the radio station Plays another song that they think is a hit song. So your music gets lost in the city; it never gets played.
1: I, I think what I wanted to find out is what experiences brought you to write those songs.
3: Uh probably uh, my, my ex-wife. <laughs> <laughs> my ex-wife, you know. Eres tú quien le doy la vida. Eres tú mi piratita consentida. You know. Uh, so you write about life experiences. I, that's yeah. My song was all life experiences, and I didn't know how to, how to, how to, how am I going to remember this melody? This melody, like the intro to the horns. So I draw four. I draw four lines, like the music book, and uh, I was. I was like this is for ta-da-da. I put dots so I would not forget that melody. But I don't know how to read and I don't know how to write. But yet I I did it, you know. But You're talking about those, music, yeah. Okay. Okay. But 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 those are the the song that I wrote was from experiences.
1: What about you, Leonard?
2: I really, you know, I've never. I have a, a book about that thick of songs that I've written, and I've never, never done one. The only... Why? Um, I, 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 get, I get tunes from songwriters, guys who have been... Proven. You know, proven, and I like their words. Uh, some of them express themselves In better. In Spanish? Yeah. Some of them express themselves better than what... I feel that I could express myself... In Spanish. In Spanish. and the, the But, reason but I'm my English... Asking, the, the
1: reason I'm asking that question is, Ruben himself admits that at one time, he didn't speak Spanish at all. Right? Well, Except functionally, well, around the family. Well, no.
3: In the very beginning, for, for, for till I was nine years old, I was poor Spanish. I came to Austin, little by little, I started speaking English. I still do. I converse in English
2: for the most part. See, and I never spoke Spanish. So I do, understood it. Do you feel it.
1: like you don't have the abilities? Is that that you lost the whole language? Well, there, that you understand it, but you don't understand it at a specific level to the extent that you can be creative about it in some Well,
2: like like I was telling Ruben on the way over here, I says, you know, I recorded some original tunes by a songwriter who's very formal in his in his. Uh, Lang- in the Spanish language, and uh, you know, one of the tunes is Desvios, and I said, "What the heck is Desvios?" He said, "Well, it's like a detour." Right. So I said, "Oh, okay. Well, I mean, he's he's using very formal, and I'm over here pues vente por acá, <laughs> this, yeah, yeah, you, know? <laughs> you know, But uh, y- yeah, so it's it's uh, may- maybe I'm not as as uh, confident confident in my Spanish as I am. But well, what my about
1: English. the tunes? Are they cool?
2: Yeah. Yeah, no, I, mean, I, I mean, I understand them now because I, I had to ask him. you know, what does this mean? You know, oh, okay, because, uh, you know, I was telling Ruben, I said, I, for years we, we did a lot of songs that traicion, you know, somebody doing somebody, somebody wrong song, you know. Well,
1: that's always it, broken hearts yeah. and alcohol and losing yeah, yeah. your job and losing your family right, and, right.
2: and your dog. being broke. And, yeah. and.
3: But, si no me quieres, te mato. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know <or> <laughs> no,
2: but, positive songs yeah, yeah you know and I told him you know because I, I, the, the songs the last recordings that I've done you know I've asked him I told him you know, I, I want some love songs I want songs to reach out maybe it's in my age you positive know. yeah positive stuff you know doing you know positive that, that that's that's what it is towards towards your your family your life your love uh you know, things that you enjoy. I mean, heck, I, I, I've gotten some, i got some songs that talk about the, like the birds and the flowers and, you know, just, uh, you know, trying to express yourself instead of, uh, aquí tengo la pistola, and, you know. <laughs>
1: well, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting. In my work, I work with kids, right? What well, The discovery that I've made is that I can be very formal and lose them or I can be myself and grab them. And I've learned that I am who I am because of my personality and my abilities to transmit thought, but it's not a formal thing. It's not high English or high Spanish. It is common, everyday life experiences because that's who we are. Right. That's what I'm asking.
3: Well, you know, it's like uh, it's like going to a doctor and the doctor tells you, okay, give it to me in layman terms. Yeah. <laughs> give it to me so I can understand it. You know, and that's where we're at because we don't know. I didn't know moño colorado. I didn't know red. I didn't know so. Our our writing is more down to earth. Or the, me, you know, Working class. class. Barrio, Working class. Yeah. Aquí en el barrio, whatever. But that's that's where our accessible linguistic or, mm-hmm. or, or words. You know, we're not up to the trono or trueno. So or we anything. have a
1: we have a choice. And that's what we've been talking about. I want to bring this to a conclusion. We have the choice of the journey of Tejano music, allowing it to wither away and die, or rebirthing it, expanding it, sharing it with the public through whatever means possible. We've been talking about the possibility of the Southwest experience being held Maybe in a town like San Marcos, and we've been meeting and talking and envisioning and dreaming and sorting and analyzing. Where do children play a role in this? In your view, Leonard? And then I want to ask you the same question.
2: Well, that's that's the next generation of what our music will will be eventually. You know, um, um, you I really feel. That if if the if the kids nowadays are exposed to it, uh, they'll they'll I mean they'll do it. I mean just like when we were kids. I mean we went I, went, I was going to the city Coliseum. You know, 15 years old, 16 years old, yeah, going going to uh, to the dances, and I mean it was a lot of kids, you know. And of course now it, it's changed because uh, they I feel they don't they don't hear it as much. You know, um, I was telling a, a friend of mine, I says, you know, he says, you know, you like Willie Nelson. I said, well, I like some of Willie Nelson's tunes. I don't like all of them. Yeah, I'm the same way. Yeah. And uh, but I said, when I when I was at home, he said, well, my kids are going to listen to Tejano radio. And I said, yeah, but when they leave the house, you know, yeah. they, you only, they only listen to it while they're here at home with you. It was like when I was a kid, I didn't dare change my the station <laughs> at the house. But when I left home. You know, we were listening to other stuff, and I I, I just think uh, it, it can be appealing. But nowadays, a lot of a lot of our our youth does not speak Spanish. A lot of them don't understand it. You know, they they uh, uh, it has to be more more um, how should I say more of, of a generic thing where they can understand, but they like. Uh, uh, Miami Sound Machine and you know uh, Jennifer Lopez and stuff, but what they do, but uh, very seldom, you know, do those people e- even have Spanish language in, in in their tunes? It's all all uh, more English with a Latino beat. Yeah, there you go. That, yeah. that, that that's what it is. You know, it's it's the our beat <laughs> to to a, a different language, and it's not just our beat. It's uh because I mean I'm I'm doing a cumbia. You know that's uh, from Colombia, and um, it's the rhythm. It's it's it's, it's the the Touch. rhythm. That, yeah, that that uh, that people like, and that's where I think our, our kids are doing it. We we you know just can't be that and tank You know anymore. It's got to be more sophisticated to work. You know.
3: What about you? Well, I have a, my fan base right now is people in my age, maybe a little younger than me. Okay. But I'm getting a a lot of, not a lot, and I say a lot for me because most of my fans are my age, you know, but I'm starting to get the younger, the younger. And I say younger, 40s and 50s, you know. uh, They come and say, man, my my dad really loved you. My dad, my mama, man, you were a favorite. And where they are, they're gone. So they transcend our music to their kids you know and that's what we got to do in this form and fashion that we're trying to do right now you know try to preserve our culture try to preserve our music and for that reason that's why we're contemplating on doing this
1: uh southwest experience
3: yeah southwest experience so to preserve it you know and
1: and but, showcase it, and, sho- and, and, it, and yeah. showcase it, and
3: showcase it. And and mm-hmm. the families of the raza, they they have playing the the Mexican music and trying to teach their children, hey, Amen. This is this is our culture. This is mm-hmm. our music. Mm-hmm. You know, listen to it.
2: And, and, and you know, like uh, uh, my group in the early in the early seventies. You know, I mean, we we opened for James Brown. We opened for Jose Feliciano, mm-hmm. Ernest Tubb. You know, we we did. Uh, we were just at the right places where we could, and people liked it. I mean, there was uh, Chicanos at, at these gigs, and they say, "Hey, man, play a cumbia," you know, because we were doing, you know, we were doing other stuff. And uh, but the crowds that are there, they, you know, the they, they like it. They don't know where it came from or whatever. They, you know, I try to explain to them that Tejano is just like like jazz. You know, it's something that's created here here in texas and it's accepted everywhere i mean they have to handle conventions uh music conventions in las vegas every year and and uh i mean people from all over the country are are going you know if i'm in chicago coast to coast and they all wind up there in las vegas during that that convention time so you know it's 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 uh it's accepted it's just that uh a lot of people don't know how how much it's accepted
1: well we just need to figure out the formulas we're going to bring it to a close i want to thank you again leonard
2: no oh, thank
3: you and
1: the street people and of course Ruben ramos and the texas revolution you're welcome uh it's always a pleasure we're going to continue meeting we're going to continue dreaming and envisioning and nhi national hispanic institute we're going to have a role in this and i'm going to tell you i'm going to be very honest about this you know I, i'm the kind of guy that says we owe it to ourselves to be important to ourselves you know, and we, we, we owe it to ourselves to preserve and to enhance who we've been, who we are, and where we're going. And because if we don't do it for ourselves, no one else is going to do it, nor recognize it, nor care about it. So we can't give away who we are, our language, our customs, our traditions, our history, just for the heck of it, and let somebody else rule how we shape and think in the future. So this is what it's about. And I'm asking NHRs out there all over the globe, look at it, think about it. Share with us. Come to Celebración, November 1st through the 4th. We're going to talk a little bit about it on stage. Maybe these guys can come by and say hello to you, sign a few autographs, listen to a couple of their tunes. It's always a pleasure. Julio, thank you once again for Julio, everything thank you do. Thank you, and always being the sound engineer, the commentator from afar. Thank you. And until next time, this is NHI signing off.
2: Ven conmigo, mujer, que te cuesta, que te cuesta venir a mis brazos. Es tú lo que estoy esperando para
0: darte todito, mi amor. For more information on the National Hispanic Institute, please visit our website, www.nationalhispanicinstitute.org. Call us at 512-357-512. 6137. Find us on Facebook at NHIHQ or on Twitter NHI underscore news and at Instagram and Snapchat NHI underscore news. Thank you to Union Pacific for their generous support as a sponsor of the NHI Podcast Network.